Right now, I do not care what happened in the first eight games for these Miami Hurricanes, nor am I thinking about what's going to happen in the final three games. Folks, it is Florida State week. It is rivalry week. And as far as I'm concerned, this Saturday is a one-game season. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. My goodness. Uh, anyone, if you've been a Miami fan for more than like a couple years, a couple months, right? I don't know how many people are jumping on the bandwagon right now. Maybe you're huge Cormani McLean fans and you found us. Thank you for finding the Canes. But now, if you've been a Miami fan for any number of years, you know how important it is. The bragging rights that come out for either side in winning this rivalry game against Florida State. And if you are a Floridian who cheers for the Hurricanes, chances are you've got friends who are Florida State fans. Some friends, huh? Or in my case, you actually have blood relatives who are Florida State fans and Florida State alums. And I tend to only hear from those relatives the years that Florida State beats Miami. They're very quiet on the years when Miami actually wins that rivalry game. I've heard a lot from them since last year, 4th and 14, and, and all that nonsense that came into it. So this is a big one. Here's Mario Cristobal, what he said on Monday morning about what Miami versus Florida State means to him. And he can speak on this better than most, right? He can certainly speak on it better than Manny Diaz could, who didn't go to Miami, or Al Golden could. Uh, you know, Mark Richt was a part of it back in uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. But Mario Cristobal was part of the meaty part of that rivalry, right? Late 80s, early 90s. Like, very few people can speak on what Miami versus Florida State means than our head coach. Quote, I think anybody associated with this university realizes how big this game is every single year. I remember being a player, and that is what you lived for. You wait for the schedule to find out what day and what time it's going to be played. In my opinion, it is the best rivalry in football and a great opportunity. This rivalry means so much that despite the fact that Miami is 4-4, four and four, struggling mightily, and, you know, Florida State, they've been better but they're five and three. Neither of these teams are ranked. They made this game the primetime ABC game at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. So even when neither team is particularly good, especially in the case of the U, this rivalry still means enough that they make it a primetime network TV nationally televised game. So that tells you something. And yes, folks, in my lifetime as a Miami fan, 38 years old, lifelong fan of the U, I am lucky enough to be an alumnus of the school, C average, but hey, I got through it, okay? Really a B average. I don't want to exaggerate too much. I, I wasn't a stellar student. I was not a terrible student by any stretch of the imagination. But in my lifetime as a Miami fan, I have witnessed more wide rights than I can count. <laughs> I've had a lot of heart palpitations. I've witnessed a wide left in that amazing Willis McGahee screen pass game. You know, the third wide right was the unbelievable Dorsey to Shockey game. I've had some bad memories, too, like the block at the Rock, 
Also, last year's awful first half and the comeback that fell short in the fourth and 14, that was really painful last year in Tallahassee. I remember the time in 2009 when Ja'Cory Harris looked like a Heisman candidate in a shootout win in Bobby Bowden's final chapter of the rivalry. Whether you're at Hard Rock Stadium for this game like this year or if you go to a game at Doak Campbell Stadium when these teams play, both fan bases very well represented. Obviously, the Florida State fans travel down to Miami extremely well, and there are a lot of alumni in the area. Miami fans do a pretty good job traveling up there as well. There's a good chance that no matter where this game's being played, you're going to get some fights in the parking lot. You're going to get some fights even in the stands during some of these games. And also, guys, this is the type of game, Miami versus Florida State, where legends can be made. Stars can be born. Do you think Daryl Langham would be a household name for Hurricanes fans if not for that catch that he made in 2017? Because I will never forget the name Daryl Langham as long as I live. For a, He did have a big catch against Georgia Tech that year as well, but that pales in comparison to Florida State. And then you've got a guy like you know Brock Berlin, right? He may not be considered one of the great UM quarterbacks, but he did go 3-0 against Florida State, 2-0 against Florida. So he went 5-0 against Florida State and Florida combined. So in my book, he will always be a legend because of that. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, here's the complicated part heading into this chapter of the Miami versus Florida State rivalry. If Tyler Van Dyke is not healthy enough to come back and play this Saturday, and even if he does play, if he's, you know, maybe less than 75% health, I think if he does play, they're going to have an idea. He's capable of making all the throws that he needs to make. Uh, but if Tyler Van Dyke can't play this week, it's going to be almost impossible to win this game. It would be hard enough to win it with Tyler Van Dyke because Florida State, I give them credit. They're a good football team this year. It'd be hard enough to win it with TVD under center without him. We would need a minor miracle. Right, We would need Jake Garcia to stop thinking and start slinging. But you hope if he does that, he's not throwing interceptions left and right. Because like, that was the thing. You could tell that game was called uh, conservatively in a way that – and Jake Garcia played it conservative enough that I think the number one objective was let's not throw any interceptions. Like That was objective number one. I need to take care of the football first and foremost – that was good enough to beat Virginia, especially with the way that your defense was playing in that game. If you're just playing a game where the number one objective of your offense is not to turn the football over, you're not beating Florida State. So we need Jake to start looking like the guy who, and he never played a defense like Florida State, never played in a game this big, obviously. I mean, I don't know how many big rivalry games he had in high school, but I doubt any of those were as big as Miami versus Florida State. So you know the nerves and the butterflies would be off the charts for him. But, uh, you know, we would really need to think it. We would need him to start feeling the game again, not thinking too much. Um, you know, some of you out there I know are going to say, well, let's start Jakari Brown in this game. Like He's going to play, obviously. I, I, whether TVD or Garcia starts, Jakari Brown is going to get some reps because he makes this offense more dangerous and a little bit more unpredictable. Uh, but I'm not going to think about starting him because I just don't have any evidence that he can complete passes right now. I think that's going to come with time and with training and with practice. But, you know, you you can't be a dual threat if you can't throw right, he can run. We don't think he can throw right now. So that's going to be an issue. Um, you know, last year, 
Tyler Van Dyke, there was good and bad against Florida State. That was his first start in the rivalry. Uh, he started the game terribly, two interceptions in the first half. He found his groove in the second half. He ended up throwing for 316 yards and three touchdowns in the game. Uh, you know, last year, a big issue against Florida State was not being able to run the football. Does that sound familiar? Hurricanes have not run the football consistently at all this season. So last year against Florida State, Miami rushed for just 43 yards against the Knolls. Uh, I do, though, compared to last year, um, I expect Miami's defense to be better than the one that gave up that fourth and 14 last season. But at the same time, Florida State's offense also looks a lot better than they did last year. So there's there's give and take to both sides of it. Uh, here's what Mario Cristobal said when asked this week about Jake Garcia and Jakari Brown, who, of course, you know, split the reps, Jake being the guy to get most of those, the starter against Virginia, but Jakari Brown getting into the game as well. He said, quote, we missed some shots. We missed a post, missed some two fades, got covered up on two other ones, Cristobal said. We didn't connect. We weren't in sync in the passing game. Things that we game planned and practiced looked good during the week, didn't look so good on Saturday. You can say that again. Um, so he was asked if Jakari Brown could push Garcia to either be the starter or the primary backup against Florida State. That would obviously depend on whether Tyler Van Dyke plays or not. Um, Cristobal said, quote, Jake has got experience, has really shown it in practice. He's a good football player. And Jakari is an excellent football player as well. Both of these guys are really good. They are different in what they do. And Jakari has a bright future. We're playing him right now because we feel he can help us win. In terms of the gaps between the two, I don't really throw that out there for the media. Those guys are both getting better and working hard every single day. Proud of them both. So something we talked about in yesterday's episode, because we have the opening line, courtesy of our partners at Bet Online. Uh, Florida State opened as nine point favorites, minus nine. That to me feels uh, about right. Maybe not big enough if Tyler Van Dyke can't play. Like if Tyler Van Dyke can't play and we find that out, you know, midweek, late in the week, you're going to see tons of money come in on Florida State and it would get to double digits. I'd feel pretty strongly about that. That And because we don't know yet, right? If we find out, hey, TBD's not going to play, everyone's going to bet on Florida State. The number's going to grow, right? But. On the flip side of that, if and when we find out that Tyler Van Dyke is going to play, and I suspect he will, I think he was pretty close last week, and I don't think they're going to sit him this week unless the injury is more severe than we think. Uh, but if Tyler Van Dyke can play this week, I think you're going to see some money start to come in on Miami. Not saying that people think Miami is necessarily going to win the game outright, but that minus nine is just, or plus nine is just too big of a number, and that's going to shrink up a little bit, so... It's going to be really tough. I mean, if Tyler Van Dyke can't play this week, you're going to have to get the running game going, like really going, all right? I mean, Miami did have uh, 147 team rushing yards last week against Virginia, but they've got the 11th ranked rushing defense in the conference. Uh, so, you know, you basically did what you were supposed to do. Uh, they averaged 147 rushing yards per game given up. Miami got exactly 147. Run. You did exactly what you were supposed to do against Virginia. It's going to be a lot tougher against Florida State. You need the running back room, obviously, to be healthier because I think just uh, Henry Parrish and Lucius Stanley are not really enough with Jakari Brown sprinkled into that mix as well. And your defense is going to be – they're going to have to be as good and as dominant as they were against Virginia, but a lot better because, uh, you know – 
Jordan Travis can really challenge you on the ground. And Miami has struggled at times with running quarterbacks. You obviously have to pressure him. And I believe in this game, you will have to force multiple turnovers. I don't think you can come out of this game with a W if you don't have at least two takeaways in this game. So that's obviously going to come with the immense pressure that someone like Leonard Taylor is going to bring, who was sensational against Virginia. He needs to terrorize Jordan Travis in the same way that he was terrorizing Brennan Armstrong. We're going to do some Q&A, folks, when we come back. So keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Guys, this week's thrilling moment for our Canes is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field this week, uh, for our thrilling moment, it has to be. And they didn't give us much to choose from our Canes. But you know what? I don't apologize for any win, my friends. A dub is a dub. An ACC road victory. We have to celebrate these things. And for as poorly as he played for most of that game, Jake Garcia running it in for that two-point score, getting that game-winning rush off to the right side, getting that pile on the way that he did. I was jumping for joy. I was jumping for joy that Miami got the win in quadruple overtime. And most importantly, I was breathing a sigh of relief, right? Because you don't want to play four quarters and four-plus overtimes of ugly football and come out with a loss. Some of you are crying about that Virginia W. Can you imagine how Virginia fans feel these last couple of days that, man, we played in one of the worst offensive games of the season in college football, and we lost in four overtimes. Miami got that dub. Miami improved to 500 on the year. Miami kept their hopes alive of bowl eligibility this season. And Jake Garcia running in for that score, that was our thrilling moment of the week. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. And I've already decided, guys, my next vehicle is going to be a Pathfinder. I love them. They're all available now at NissanUSA.com. Ooh, thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, and we're available free on YouTube. Right, let's go to some Q&A here. Nick Green asks us, how did you feel about Jake Garcia's first start? I think he panics too fast, and he definitely doesn't see the whole field. He just stares at his first two reads, and that's it. Uh, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, the funny thing about this was uh, Jake Garcia, that was his first collegiate start, and his first collegiate start came against Virginia. Tyler Van Dyke's first college start came against Virginia last year. Uh, so this number is freaky. So Jake Garcia, 15 for 19. Tyler Van Dyke against Virginia last year, 15 for 19. Now, Tyler had, even saying that, kind of the better game statistically because he was 15 for 19, for 29. Sorry, 15 for 29. Did I say 19? Let me do that over again. Jake Garcia, 15 for 29, 125 yards. Tyler Van Dyke, 15 for 29 in his first start against Virginia last year. Uh, but Tyler's was for 204 yards. Jake's was for 125. Tyler had a touchdown uh, passing and a touchdown rushing, but Miami lost that game against Virginia last year, whereas Garcia did score the game-winning run. Now, obviously, you don't usually win a game where you score six points in regulation, but it was kind of funny. Both guys made their first start against Virginia, and both went 15 for 29. But a lot of what you said about Jake 
was was accurate. He looked he looked very uncomfortable. Uh, that was the big thing that stood out to me. Um, but I also and you know I I I defended Jake a little bit yesterday, and I'm going to double down on it. Um, I, he's definitely gun shy after all the times he got hit against Duke and playing against that offensive line. He got sacked three times against Virginia. I don't think he's comfortable and confident in his O-line, which is battered, injured, and, you know, not protecting quarterbacks effectively. I mean, look what happened to Tyler Van Dyke a couple weeks ago was the direct result of that offensive line, getting him dropped on his, you know, on his shoulder, on his upper body. Uh, and also coming off a three-interception performance, um, I, I think that that's going to make you gun-shy. You're, you're going to be hesitant to take shots down the field when you're still a little bit shell-shocked from the previous week. And then on top of that, I believe Miami was calling the game and he was instructed to play the game with the number one objective being don't turn the football over. That was the number one objective for Miami's offense. It wasn't, Hey, go out there and score a lot of points. It was let's have a turnover free game. Cause we've been haunted by, t- I mean, they had eight turnovers the week prior, right? Eight. To- so let's have a turnover free game and let's give our defense a chance to carry us to win and play the field position game, right? With Miami not being as aggressive on fourth downs as they've been in recent weeks. So that game plan takes a little bit away from it. Uh, I think just the fear of getting crushed takes a little bit away from it. Uh, Jake also wasn't good, but I think that there were a lot of factors at play there. So my hope would be because I like to be constructive and I think Jake is an awesome young man and I, I would like to see him have a great college career. So my hope would be scoring that game winning TD with his legs and having his entire team rally around him after that dramatic finish. That's going to do something for his confidence. With that said, I hope he's not the starter against Florida State because Tyler Van Dyke gives us a much better chance to win. But I hope Jake can take something positive out of the way that game finished against Virginia. Mactown Canes says, what is the quarterback coach teaching these quarterbacks? Talking about Frank Ponce. Um, you know, I, I I guess it's a little bit concerning that Garcia uh, doesn't seem to be like getting better from week to week. Although, you know, I guess his performance against Virginia was a lot better than the three INTs, uh, all those turnovers that he had, you know, in the previous outing. Um you know, Jakari Brown doesn't look like he can throw the ball effectively right now. So, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't know how much of that you put on the quarterback's coach, uh, at least with Tyler Van Dyke, who had a really slow start to the year. The last handful of games we've seen him, TVD looks like his old self again. So, uh, again, this comes down to do you want to bash players or do you want to bash coaching? Um, you know, I, I think at least with Tyler, you know, before the North Carolina game, he started having those extra film sessions with Ponce, the QB's coach, and with Josh Gaddis. And they were, you know, kind of identifying the plays he wasn't comfortable with and accentuating the plays he is. And that had positive results with him. So, yeah, listen, man, I, I, I wish I wish all three of Miami's quarterbacks looked like studs. They don't right now, obviously. Um, you know, how much you want to put on the quarterbacks, coach, that, that's up to you. Um, I will say that probably the biggest winner – from that Virginia game was Jaden Rashada, the Miami Hurricanes verbal commit for 2023. Cause he's looking at it right now. He's like, okay, well Tyler Van Dyke might still go to the NFL. And if he doesn't, he'll play one more year here. Jake Garcia is not looking good at all right now. And you know, Jakari Brown can run, but he can't throw like Jaden Rashada is looking at the landscape and he's probably thinking I can go right in there and compete for the starting quarterback job as a true freshman. Honestly, Jaden Rashad is the biggest winner here. He can come right in and compete. 
Miami Hurricanes enthusiast says, this was the first game all year that I truly believe that our offensive deficiencies are on Josh Gaddis. I've been blaming players' execution and lack of effort. The players actually played hard, he said. Gaddis is making Garcia look like a terrible quarterback. Is Gaddis retained after the year? And we got a similar question from Sam who says, what will be the offensive identity going forward? Does Gaddis return next year? Um, if the offense continues on the track that it's on, now again, I'm, I'm not calling for anybody's job. Um, that's up to Mario. It's not up to me. I'm not calling for anybody's job. But if the offense continues on the track that it's been on for this season, I could definitely see changes being made. Definitely. Right? Because, again, Mario is the CEO. He's getting paid a lot of money to surround himself with the right people to bring out the best in these players. And if he feels like there are things that are not working with the coaches under him, he will not hesitate to make changes. He will not. So what you're bringing up is a possibility, man. Um, I definitely, you know, one, one of our viewers, uh, our listeners, BP, described it to me as Gaddis's like play calling and game plan appearing to be planless. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty accurate, that, that's how it looks on the field, right? And I don't think he does his personnel a lot of favors in getting anybody into rhythm. Um, and listen, I'm, I'm not going to completely put it on him because this team is not very deep and they've been plagued by injuries. Like finally, the wide receivers are getting healthy again, right? Like Restrepo, Restrepo is back and I think he'll play an even bigger role against Florida State than he played obviously against Virginia where he got just 16 snaps. Jacoby George is healthy. Colby Young is a bona fide stud. Michael Redding is healthy again. Like the receiving core is healthier than they've been all season long, which is great. But the running back core is not. The offensive line has been decimated. Uh, you know, the tight end room is is obviously not completely healthy. So, you know, uh, I, I can say the coaching and personnel have both been problems. I think we can agree that both of those things can be true at the same time. I right, got a couple more very good questions coming up, including uh, we got a recruiting question. Uh, can Miami flip these players from Ohio State? And my prediction on the way Miami season is going to finish. Oh, my goodness. All right. Keep it locked right here, my friends. Thank you for making us your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts folks i gotta tell you sweat block has helped me so much for the last several days i have been walking around walt disney world and normally a guy like me who sweats a lot would just be dripping but you know why i'm not dripping in fact like my wife will look over at me she's like how are you not sweating Honey, I'm not sweating because I use sweat block. It really is a miracle. I used to sweat like a weirdo until I found sweat block. It changed the game for me, guys. Sweat block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. And it's also available at Amazon. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. All right, we got a question from Sam who says, what will the – oh, we already read this one. Well, oh, you know what? I didn't answer it, though. Okay, so he asked if Gaddis returns next year, but he also asked, what will the offensive identity be going forward? 
Um, well, for this year, they don't really have an identity. So the rest of the season, if Tyler Van Dyke comes back healthy, the identity is going to be, let's hope Tyler throws for 400 yards and we win. That That's not what they want the identity to be. They want the identity to be physicality and toughness, first and foremost. They want their offensive line, you know, once guys like Francis Maui Goa arrive, they want to smash other teams in the mouth every single game. That doesn't mean they only want to run the football because obviously you've got a QB like Tyler right now and Jaden Rashada, the next generation. Like you obviously want big passing plays and big time wide receivers, but they want their identity to be toughness and they want their identity to be balance, right? They want to be a team that can beat you on the ground or through the air and not one or the other. So that's what they want their offense, uh, offensive identity to be. They want their offense to be like Georgia's. A power spread is uh, is what Miami runs. Now, listen, if if Gaddish is not retained, then you know that the formations could change. But you know, th- this I'm telling you what they want their offensive identity to be. William asks, do you think Restrepo is healthy enough to play more snaps next week? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that they wanted to kind of bring him back slowly. He hadn't played since September 10th with uh, the broken foot. So they wanted to kind of uh, to get some of that rust off against Virginia, played 16 snaps. I, I think he can play significantly more this coming week against Florida State. And if if Van Dyke is back, let's hope their special connection can return as well. Ibisville asks, what is your final record prediction? Do we make a bowl game? Uh, I think we are. I think we're just going to slide in. Um, I, I think Miami can go six and six. I don't think we're going to do much better than that. So the games we have left, Florida State, of course, coming up this week. Georgia Tech, which that is winnable, right? It would. You're going to be favored in that game. Huge disappointment if you don't win it. Uh, Clemson, extremely difficult. <laughs> Uh, and home against Pittsburgh. I can almost, you know, I can almost flip a coin on that one. I, I think Miami can win that game. And Miami's given Pitt problems over the years. So, um, you know, I, I, I think Florida, uh, Georgia Tech should be a win. Um, anything can happen against Florida State in a rivalry game. Florida State is better than us right now, though. Clemson is probably a loss. And I think Pittsburgh can be a win. So I think you're going to win some combination of two of the next four. It might be Florida State. Might be Pitt, um, should be Georgia Tech, probably will lose to Clemson. So uh, I, I think Miami is going to just sneak in and make a bowl game. Now, uh, if you only win one more game for the rest of the season, let it be this one. If you beat Florida State and you lose your final three, I can live with that because I just want to beat Florida State. That's where I'm at right now. Armando says, hey, the rumor is that Mario Cristobal is going to flip Brandon Innes and Mark Fletcher. Your thoughts? First of all, I think I started that rumor. <laughs> I think I started that rumor on this show a couple months ago because we talked about that. Um, and listen, and I had reason to talk. Like it wasn't just a rumor. I, I was I, I was told by a couple of different people that you know Miami's still recruiting both of them very heavily, and that there there could be mutual interest there. So it didn't come out of nowhere. Um, now recently um because things change all the time in recruiting like guys can be thinking one way one day and then the next day think completely differently recently uh, I've been told that uh that there's a better chance with Fletcher the running back than there is with Ennis the receiver uh, I think uh, and 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 for what it's worth because Ohio State fans are going to show up in our comments and you're not wrong like they've both made I think multiple visits to Ohio State where they've been verbally committed within the last couple of months 
Um, so obviously OSU is doing whatever they can to keep the relationship going with both of them and to keep them locked in. Uh, but I, I think there definitely could be something there with Fletcher and there may be something there with Ennis still as well. And of course, you know, with Miami, obviously, you know, Ohio state, you can go there, compete for national championships right away. Miami, you can come probably play right away and start right away. So that, you know, it means something and they're local guys as well. So you never know, but you know, I'm not ready to put out any crystal balls for either of them to Miami, if that's what you're asking. But I think there is a chance. You guys are awesome. Uh, remember, later this week, we're going to have a crossover episode with Drizzy Drake from Locked On Seminoles. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty of this matchup and enjoy the rest of Florida State Week. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes. And guys, make sure you make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.